In this episode of The Ziegler Show, our focus is trust. In today's culture, more than ever, trust is the number one asset of success. But listen closely, we are all doing it wrong to some degree. We inherently think of trust as something that you have and are, right? And, or don't have and are not. And most everyone hearing this right now is going to believe themselves to be trustworthy because they're honest and moral people who live with integrity. But you're about to hear eight aspects of trust you must intentionally and proactively engage in if you want to really be viewed as trustworthy and benefit from it in your life and business to create loyal clients, to get their referrals. It takes more than just having good character and being honest and expecting that people think you're trustworthy. So David Horsager is with me. Uh, this is his devotion. This is his area of mastery. He's CEO of Trust Edge Leadership Institute. Uh, has a national best-selling book called The Trust Edge. And interestingly, it was one of the last books that Zig Ziglar actually endorsed. So David has a new book out right now as well. He's offered us an assessment to see how we stack up in exuding trust. You can find it at Trust trustedleaderbook.com slash Ziggler, trustedleaderbook.com slash Ziggler. So I'm going to bring David on in just a moment, and we're going to dig into how we can actually be seen as trustworthy. Hi, everyone. I'm Kevin Miller. Every week I publish four podcast episodes over three different shows that have been downloaded over 50 million times now. So much of personal development and self-help addresses issues in our lives that are just symptomatic and we don't make the change we want. So I dig into the root issues of what will help us achieve the progress and results we desire in our work and our life and our health. This is The Ziggler Show. It's ranked number two in all-time career podcasts and Apple podcasts. And here we focus on progress in your professional life, your work, and your vocation, your business. My other podcast is The Motive Podcast, and it's focused directly at you. Your motives are your reasons for all you do, the root of your behavior and personal ability. In episode 25, I bring you the motive story of one of my favorite authors of all time, Donald Miller. What motivates this kid from a broken home to write his first memoir at 21 Soon after, I have a massive bestseller, then turn his focus to helping entrepreneurs, and then, as you'll hear, put his sights to politics next. So again, we'll cover that in episode 25 of the Motive Podcast. Then in my True Life Podcast, we focus on the necessary physical and mental capacity for the purpose of allowing you to freely do all you want not be held back by your body. In episode 68, we discuss the placebo advantage. Placebos are not something to be minimized and scoffed at. They can greatly benefit or hamper any treatment for your wellness. That's True Life Podcast 68. You can find all three shows in Apple Podcasts. Just search for Kevin Miller or go to my website, kevinmiller.co. And if you're new to The Ziggler Show, I invite you to visit ziggler.com slash coach and connect with Tom Ziggler about becoming a Ziegler coach. David, this aspect of trust, I mean, you're, our, you're the trust guy. Uh, how long literally have you had this as a, your primary muse? Well, in 1999, back in the 1900s, I have to tell my kids, right? <laughs> I, uh, Late 1900s. Yeah. I've heard right, that lately. Yeah. Move, move back to, uh, Moved back to Minnesota with my wife to start our first uh, company, and I started thinking about trust differently. I'd built some leadership curriculum in this organization I'd been a part of, and basically I had an epiphany about how, how people say, "Oh, that's we got a leadership issue here," and I started thinking, about, "That looks like a trust issue," and oh, we got we got a 
sales issue. Actually, it looks like a trust issue. Just intuitive at the time, that led to my graduate work in the early 2000s that, you know, back then almost nobody was researching the effect of trust and leadership on the bottom line. Like there, there, was, there was some uh, psychology stuff, but there, there wasn't all that. Now, you know, Forbes made trust the business word of the year, best place to work, throughout engagement, put trust as the number one metric. A lot has happened. But back then, very little written on as far as trust in business. So that started 2000s, the research then, you know, we started applying it in companies that actually worked and then, you know, the books and, and all this. And then, you know, it, it, it really it changed me along the way, which is why I'm so passionate about it. But that was the the, the start was a, a couple decades ago, basically, as far as shift of thinking. And it really gained ground with the research. We, we also put out an annual study, you know, the, I think one of the biggest or most significant studies out of North America on trust and leadership. So we're looking at this all the time and we believe it's the heartbeat of leaders and organizations. Well, and you know, we're going to talk about business, but we're also going to bring the topic into just our individual lives here. But you state, I think right at the beginning of the book, you know, mistrust doubles the cost of doing business. So we're talking to an audience and I always refer to them as an aspiring audience. This is not an entertainment show necessarily. Uh, they're here to learn, to grow, to get better. And I don't think there's anybody here listening to the Ziegler show who would not feel like I'm, I'm trustworthy. I do the right thing. I'm honest. And yet I know from my own experience and, and literally my own personally that I can feel that way. I can be that way and I can still miss the mark and not right. realize how much I am suffering from a lack of trust. Not again, not because not I'm a have the character that people perceive as not right. trustworthy, but I'm doing the things that we're going to get into and I'm violating that. And so when you come over here, I don't know if this is fair to ask, but if you look at the average business out here from good people is doubling the cost of their business or, or, or some high percentage because they're not nailing trust. Well, they have to see something here. And that is, first of all, the number one question everybody's asking about you, your business, is not do I like you? They're this misnomer that we buy mm. from people we like or we want to be. I, I've got friends I like a lot. I wouldn't go into business with them in a million years because uh. I don't trust them. The it, the question everybody's asking about you, your business, your your spouse, friends, kids. They're asking, can I trust you? Not that trust is way higher than being liked. And so this, you know, the the first. Part of this, I think, for, for listeners, they have to see trust as the root cause that it is. This is what the, the new book, Trusted Leader, where I was inspired to think, you know, people are solving the wrong issue. It's always at the core of trust issue. As an example, people think they have a leadership issue. They never do. The only reason I follow a leader or not is trust. You think we got a sales issue. Unless it's a commodity, the only reason I buy or not is trust. Yeah. We, we got a marketing issue. You never do. The only reason, the only way to amplify a marketing message is increase trust in the message. So we have to think about it differently. Even these days, the, the, the magnificent diversity challenges we've had, diversity, the biggest Harvard study shows diversity on its own pits people against each other. Hmm. Unless you increase trust. That's the only way to get the great benefits of diversity, which are many and research-based, is to increase trust with it. And then you get the benefits. The only way to increase learning, you, you and I are you know, into developing people. The only way to increase learning in a classroom is increase trust either in the professor, the content, or the psychological safety of the room, the classroom. So you have to deal with the trust issue. And we have to think bigger. Trust is more complex than you think. Yeah. 
Well, that's what you showcase in the book. And I want to pull out one, David, because I recognize this. I had some help in recognizing this in myself as I was leading people. And this was, uh, you know, six, seven years ago, I had a big audience was leading there and doing it pretty intimately and then seeing some things that I felt like, gosh, I'm not getting the traction that I think that I should be. And I had some people, thank goodness, close enough to me to help me point out and say, because what you said, did they like me? Absolutely. Did they trust me? The answer was, no, but it wasn't because again, they, they were questioning my dishonesty. I want to pull that out because I feel like so many people are going to balk at that and go, well, how could they not see me as trustworthy? I'm, I'm a, you know, an honest, you know, Christian man. And what I was doing though, what they cited, they said, yeah, man, you, you, you knock it out of the park here and we like you and we're following you, but we sometimes struggle with trust because you confuse us. Because you're there not, you go. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> and you had Don on last week, but but look at this. So here's the deal. The first half of the research that was monumental at the time, and now everybody, it seems like everybody gets it. But at the time, I had to prove how lack of trust is the biggest cost, mm-hmm. how trust is the, the root cause, how, how really trust is the leading indicator. Everything else lags. Okay? We get that now more than ever, but it's still, you have to see that. But the second half of the research then was, well, how do you build trust? I mean, what actually, what are the components of high trust? If trust is so important, then how do you actually build it? And out of that came these eight pillars, this, we call it the eight pillar framework. Um, and it, it's, it's, uh, they're denoted by C words, but they're, they're research funnels, these eight pillars. And actually the, the first one is clarity. So that has nothing to do with your character, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This has to do, you could be high character, you could be caring, but people don't trust the ambiguous or the overly complex. So whenever you overly, whenever you complexify something beyond what is needed, you lose clarity, which loses trust. Yeah. So th- there's one way that didn't affect your character, but you, you, you know, you might have character, but you confuse someone. And because of that, they don't trust you as one example. That, and that's the one that has been, uh, that's the most difficult one for me, David. I mean, bottom line, I enjoy and I live a life and a lifestyle where I can be spontaneous, where I can go missing in action and it serves me, but in business, it does not. And so I'll never forget. I had a personal assistant. She says, Kevin, I know you don't like rules. I know you don't like structure. You don't like boundaries, whatever, but do you have some routines? I said, no, I guess. She said, do you ever forget to brush your teeth? I said, no. Do you ever not have your coffee in the morning, Kevin? No. Do you ever not exercise your day? Hardly ever. So you got some routines. Yeah. Can I get you on a routine of publishing a podcast on the same day every week? Because people want consistency. I mean, we were here, we're on a podcast. Yep. People want the same format. They want to understand that. They want it on the same day. And I'm thinking, really? If I have something good to say, why does it matter? Can I just post it whenever? Statistically, they say no. And here you are so backing it up. Consistency is another one of the pillars. And think about this. So why do we trust McDonald's? We might not like them, but I've had the same burger on six continents. Pickle soft centered everywhere I go, right? So, you know, you got same, you are trusted as an example. Here's another, that let's go to that pillar. It's the, it's the eighth pillar, but whatever you do consistently, I will trust you for good or bad. So if you are late all the time, I will in fact trust you to be late. And I should, if the only way to build a reputation as an individual or a brand as an organization is on consistency. So to just another example, but that's, that's 
one pillar. You might have good character, like you said, which is a pillar, but you might be inconsistent in certain yeah. ways. And that would be a reason people might not trust, especially in how someone shows up or in business. I jokingly say sometimes, I would, you know, this is why we don't like moody people. What are you going to be like today? Happy, sad, mad, crabby? I would rather have an angry curmudgeon on my team every single day because I can manage his or her consistency yeah. than someone all over the place that I'm scared I don't even know what they're going to be like. It, it'd be like, it reminds me of the, the, the drunk or something like that. And, you know, yeah. the person, man, I, they're generally okay but when they drink. We don't know what's going to happen. And, exactly. and that's, that's, the, that's the big rub. I mean, you talk about consistency. I, I, I mentioned coffee. Love coffee. Love home roasted coffee. I would love to go to every, I used to have this. If I'm going to go to a city, I'm not going to go to some big chain thing. I'm only going to go to a place that roasts their own coffee. And yet what happens? It's like a 50-50 toss up if it's the type of coffee I like. So what do I end up doing? Going to Starbucks. Because it's the same every it's time. It's the same every yeah. time. And David, this is the thing when we're talking about commerce and talking about, and I, again, I'm owning all these references because I'm in this and I am uh, putting my money where I trust it. And it's so interesting to me being aware of this, of how often when I'm making a decision on a purchase, product, service, whatever, how often just out of impatience and I just want to make a decision and get it over with. I'll just go with whoever I trust, knowing that I'm probably missing out on a better deal, better quality that somebody has. And they're screaming at me that they do. Ours right. is better. And I, I just can't get over that hurdle of understanding enough. And I'm just going to go over here to Starbucks where at least I can yep. know. And that seems terrible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I probably am doing it and I'm missing out on something better. And so we have so many people in the audience right now. They're going, oh my gosh, I have something better. And you're right. saying, yeah, but if you don't do the work. Yeah. Yeah. Do, yeah and you got you know, you can frame it against all, all eight. You know, we, we, we call this eight pillar framework, I believe without ego, I hope, but a whole lot of research. And like I said, we, it was just revalidated sure. again last year by one of the biggest, you know, by a outside university as the way trust is built globally that you can solve every organizational and leadership issue against these eight. And when you do, you solve the real problem. Because some people aren't. They're saying, oh, we got an engagement problem. They never do. They're, we got a communication problem. You actually never have a communication problem. You have, it's, a, it's, a, it's a function of one of these eight is what you actually mean. And when you know these, you can actually solve against them. So, well, uh, And, I, and I, I obviously keep wanting to key in on these just the behavioral perspectives that we have on trust. Because again, I tend to think I'm just a trust. I'm honest. Doesn't that make me, let, let me, let me, let me go through the eight because I'm going to show you something else. Okay. okay? I'm going to go through them really quick. What? So people get context and, and, I, and, I, and, and then and, let's come back and go deeper on something you, on any one you want. To. Okay. Cause, and I want people to hear this. Uh, you know, I, I just, uh, recently we had Steven Kotler on here and he just wrote the book, the art of the impossible. And he talked about a formula for peak performance. And, and at first I kind of balked at that. Come on, a, a formula, yeah. but he's saying, look, we study it and here are the ingredients. Bottom line. That's what I want people to hear. That. That's what you're bringing to us with trust mm -hmm. because unlike you go back to Zig and he so often would come back to people think a salesperson is born or not. They're naturally that. And he says, no, they're not. Nobody is a great salesman coming out of the gate. It's something you learn. So I, I, I want to preface that as you jump into these eight of saying, folks, if we want to, regardless of what we think of ourselves, if we want to come off as trustworthy here, David has yeah. the ingredients that have been, I'm going to say proven. So go. Well, and, and this is part of the, 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 the uh, inspiration of trusted leader that the book too, is that people so often said, I either, isn't trust something I either have or I don't. Yeah. And it's not that way. Now at the character pillar, 
that's a great thing to have because if you don't have that, you have a whole lot of other problems. But, sure. um, but many of these, you can actively build it. So I'll whip through them and then we'll do it for context because I think this will help. Okay. Number one is clarity. People trust the clear. They mistrust or distrust the ambiguous. Number two is compassion. We trust those that care beyond ourselves, right? We, we have a hard time being accountable to someone or following someone that we don't feel like cares about us at all. Yeah. No, Zig's quote, or uh, nobody cares how much you know, or uh, he probably, I don't, many people have been quoted with saying this, yeah. but uh, totally know how much you care. Number three is character. We trust those that do what's right over what's easy. There's a c- component of character. But what you were saying gets to number four, which is um, I might trust your character, but not trust you to give me a root canal. Because number four is competency. You've got to stay fresh and relevant and capable. If you're out there and you're selling the same way you were 20 years ago, I probably don't trust you. Yeah. If you're leading the way you were 10 years ago, I probably don't trust you. So next, the next pillar is commitment. We trust those that stay committed, even in the face of adversity. We found that whether in history or life, uh, you know, people that have left a legacy, Mandela, Martin Luther King, Gandhi, Jesus, or Joan of Arc, we, they were trusted often for their commitment to something beyond themselves. The next pillar is uh, connection, the ability to connect and collaborate with others. And we tend to, by the way, when we go into big companies with these, there are counterforces we look for, like siloing. We know we have a counterforce of connection and collaboration if we see siloing. Next pillar is contribution. And the number one word that came out of this funnel was results. We trust those that contribute results. So you you can't just... Um, uh, you have compassion and character, like you said, uh, and not get results. I, 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 if I go into amputation with that surgeon, they might be the most compassionate, high character, but cut off the wrong leg, we got a problem, right? You got to yeah. contribute results. Next one is consistency, and I said that before. Whatever you do consistently, you're trusted for. I think I hit all eight there, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. That's, I, the, eight, it, that's it, the eight pillars. And as I've got those here, I think, oh, my gosh, I need an audit. Uh, yeah. So, so what you can do, and we're giving it to your team. I think you put it in the show notes. But at trustedleaderbook.com, we gave a, a survey. You can audit against these eight, and we have eight d- different ways that we uh, index an organization. We have enter- everything from a big enterprise trust index built on thirty years of Accenture data and my grad work down to a simple self-assessment. But you can audit these. You can look at how am I doing with this? Maybe I'm off here. Maybe everybody trusts me for this, but not this. So you can align them. Now, let let me say one other thing here, because remember, I said trust is always the root issue. And I know, like you, I'm like, I hate it when consultants come in and say, oh, it's always. Their thing is their everything. Yeah, right. Yeah, everybody thinks that. But this research-based approach, it, it always, the core issue is what we've seen globally. And we have, you know, coaches on six continents. I've been on six continents with this work. We've done with, dealt with corruption issues in East Africa to, you know, pro sports teams to, to companies. So think about this. People think they have an engagement issue. They don't. The, only, the research shows the only way to increase engagement is increase trust. People think, oh, we, got refer- we want more referrals. Research shows the only way to get more referrals or a higher NPS score is increased trust. Yeah. Communication, I said it before. Communication is our issue. It never is. It's the type. Clear, number one pillar, clear communication is trusted, unclear isn't. Compassionate communication is trusted, hateful communication isn't. That, that second pillar. You go through the pillars. So then all of a sudden you can decide, okay, with this marketing piece, with this communication, with our brand, with our customer service program, are we clear? Are we showing communica- compassion? Are we ca- building connection? Are we, and you can, you, this is what you're trusted for. And when trust goes up, 
the bottom line changes, attrition changes. We use this to solve retention, attrition, sales issues. And as you and I care about, we've also seen it change people personally. I had a sales guy say it helped them triple their sales. And the next year he said, and it saved my marriage. I love that. You are listening to The Ziegler Show in this episode with David Horsager on trust. Next, we talk about the culture we're in now, uh, especially with podcasting. We, we are desperately seeking who can we trust, and that's who we tune in and listen to. So we'll get right back in after I share some great products and services with you. First off, we're, we're here on a podcast. The only, in, in doing this as long as I have now, this is a trust platform. I mean, we have so many opportunities to get input on the same topic across the board. There's books, there's you know articles, there's blogs, there's resource things out here. Why are people tuning into a podcast to listen to some dude or some girl talking about this same thing? They are seeking somebody that they trust. And even to your consistent thing, I think, you know, Joe Rogan has the biggest podcast on planet earth. Now, from a character standpoint, he doesn't necessarily line up with my kind of guy, but he's consistent and you listen to him enough, which I, and again, I don't, but I do audit him just because he's a king in the, in this platform. He's consistent enough that to what he would, uh, espouse, like if he's going to advertise something just like Tim Ferriss, Tim Ferriss is another one who, from a character standpoint, don't know that I line up with him, but man, he's consistent. I, you hear him enough and you get to say, I, I trust him. I trust that when he promotes X, Y, Z, that he literally believes that this is, you know, Dave Ramsey has done really well with that. And it goes back to, uh, Paul Harvey, you know, and Paul Harvey talks about go to the true value hardware store you you know he's making millions but you believe he wouldn't do it if he didn't really believe so this is a trust platform and i find us when we look at the marketplace i assume that you're gonna agree that it's safe to say is have we ever been in a time because we're more unindated than ever where trust is the absolute number one golden commodity it's it's hard for me to refute that it matters more than ever. I and I will say this. Um, a lot of people will say to me, wow, David, you got, it's so timely. Your topic, you know, I've got top, we have other speakers come up to me. Oh, I've got, I've got topic envy, you know, or whatever. It's like, it's so timely, but you know what? It's timeless. It never wasn't. If, if we look back at the research, trust actually was always the core root issue. Uh, and, and by the way, we have a huge opportunity right now. So think about this. When is the fastest time to increase trust? You think about when, when's your fastest opportunity? You think of, you know, Kevin, your, your, your fastest opportunity. Many people would say, oh, it's first interaction. That's, that's my bit. That's what I thought of, but I thought that was too easy. And you're going to say right. something better. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it, that's a good time. Every day is a good time. Your fastest opportunity is in crisis. Hmm. So when you, people are throwing chairs in the boardroom, people are mad at you. Some customers ticked off about something. Someone's upset. You have an immense opportunity right then, because if you can be consistent then, you can build trust faster than any other time than in crisis. We, you know, you look back at the pandemic, enormous opportunity for many. Those that used it to build trust by empathizing, whatever, going through, you know, empathy comes under the compassion pillar, but by, by doing certain things, yeah. their trust grew immensely. There's others also in crisis, you can lose a lot of trust by how you respond, right? So, I mean, 
we, we have change is going to keep happening. The pandemic didn't stop, you know, oh, we're coming out of the pandemic. Hey, we're still going to have, there's massive change always. And in change and in crisis, we have a huge opportunity to build trust faster than ever before. Well, and thinking about the culture and as we right now record, we're well into 2021. And I would uh, assume that, you know, coming through this pandemic and the, the political issues, the racial issues that we had this poisoning of trust overall. And I feel like we saw fear rise and anxiety rise because of this erosion of trust. And it is what it is. We can't, you know, affect that as a whole, but now coming out of it, yeah, it seems like, man, the opportunity is even greater to be someone of trust that people can, oh, it's like a beacon of light. But again, now we're back to the reason why you're on the show though, is how do we do that? And we all want to just say, I've got good character. I'm trustworthy. What's the deal? And you're saying, regardless, you're going to make it or break it and go through these eight. And if I do, David, if I look at these, do an audit. And I was really, I was actually thinking if I had my family do the audit on me, or if I made a list of everybody that I work with, uh, the true light would come out, but hopefully we're self-aware enough. I can look at there and go, oh man, I, I know where I tend to struggle. And then it's just pick one and yeah. say, how, how can I use that? And then we, you know, in, in those books, there's tips and takeaways you can use tomorrow morning to increase or strengthen that pillar. So, you know, you, you, you take a pillar and say, which one, and you and I even sit for clarity, you know, people trust your character, but maybe you have a, for me, I tell my team, I preach this stuff and I'm unclear, you know, I've got, I'm, yeah. I'm helping them coach me up like, David, I need more clarity on that. You know, yeah. oh, yep, I got it. You know, so um, there's different methods and techniques you can use to increase it quickly. Now, just to be fair, there's different needs to be trusted in different ways. So, uh, and people are trusted more or less for certain things. So you might trust, um, uh, you know, I, I might trust Tiger Woods uh, to golf. Uh, you know, that competency high there might not want him alone with my wife or something. Uh, So the character set, you know, there's different ways of of trusting. Now to gain the trust edge that we talk about and really be a trusted leader, um, we want to have all eight. And when we have all eight, we get this incredible advantage. And that's the that, that, that's the whole, you know, second half of the book shows what you can do to take away and, yeah. and, a, and be a more trusted leader tomorrow morning. Well, a couple of questions on that, on what yeah. you said, because, you know, even as you mentioned uh, Tiger Woods, which, you know, I don't know personally, but from what we see out there, I would think, you know, I might, mm-hmm. I might uh, trust my company's sponsorship dollars uh, with him to go out there and do a good job. But yeah, maybe not on a, a Who knows? personal. I mean, I, I, that could be unfair. I, I know. I, but, but looking at ourselves again, you know, to think where am I trustworthy and I've proven that and I see the results from it, where am I losing that and where can I shore that up? But in conjunction with that, as I mentioned a minute ago, if I had my family audit me and the people I work with, it would be easy for me to think that I'm going to get the results from the audit from them and they're going to show me strong and weak in the same areas. But I'm actually thinking about it and wondering how much propensity is there for us to be different in that, to go, no, at home or with your family, let's say, or relationships, you tend to uh, come out, you know, if you did an audit on these things, strong week here, it's actually different at work sometimes. And I'm pointing that out just to say, this could be more confusing than we even expect. Because even though I might look at this and audit myself with my family in mind, I actually flip flop a little bit at work. Is that, uh, is that fair? Is that, is that true? Or is that it's, usually, it's, pain? That, it's definitely possible that we certain, usually, I mean, hopefully our character is who we are. Yeah. You know, and you and I, we talk about, at least I talk about, uh, you know, being 
the same on stage as off stage. Yeah. And you and I know people are on stages and they, they, they look a certain way up there and then you find them, you know, uh, drunk at the bar afterwards or they speak on success or they speak on relationships and you find out they've had, you know, whatever problems. So um, we want to be the same in certain ways. It, it, but, but in different environments, certain strengths might come out as far as... I, I was as, thinking finances somewhat. I mean, here yeah. in, in my work, I am the business owner. Buck stops with me. Man, if you don't care, care of the finances, I mean, it's, you know, somebody doesn't get paid or, or whatnot. Yeah. And so I pay you know, a CPA, a bookkeeper. I pay attention to it. Home finances and admission... I just kind of throw you put throw money in the account. I don't know. I don't mess with it. You know, and I'm judging obviously the value or the consequence in my own life there and just wondering where I differ or if I'm true. But you know, to look at well, do it, do an assessment, check uh, it out. Well, I, see, I, where, see where you're at. You know, hey, how are you doing against these uh, against these eight? And where where do you you fi- find a gap and fill it? We all have gaps. I, I I talk about it with my team all the time. I believe in this. I've seen the impact of it. But I, there's always some way I could strengthen a pillar. And when I do, it affects my leadership, yeah. and ultimately it affects the bottom line. Well, and you say leadership, and my favorite word to. Uh, you know, to attach to that is influence. Um, everybody, everybody listening to this show wants to have positive influence on people around them. And here you are you're without trust. Uh, it's not going to happen. Where are the primary areas that you look? I know you as a professional, you work in the business realm and you're speaking for huge corporations and for countries and, and all this on trust. But you've already talked about the personal side of it. Because when I thought about this leading up to, to us talking, David, I thought, man, where do I feel it acutely or do I desire to have the most you know, trust and the benefits as a result? And I thought my marriage, yeah. m- my parenting my work, but I'm going to put that into my work. For me, I put that into my businesses and all the people that I deal with there. And then the next one for me though, is my audience. And not everybody with a business necessarily, they have people they influence, but they may not have an audience. I'm here. I mean, this is a source of income is the people who listen to the show, trust me and uh, download it. And that's, you know, I make revenue from that. That's what helped me get a book deal that I just signed and will help, you know, sell books. So I look at these areas and man, there's four different areas and I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to go through all eight of these, but they're going to relate in different ways to each place. Because I, again, I'm, I'm sh- I assume you see somebody who, even if they try to have their character be the same, they're doing different things and they may have people at work that trust them, but their spouse doesn't. Right. Or their well, kids I, don't. You know, I was talking to Mark Batterson this week, yeah. um, you know, 20 time New York time bestselling author, and a good friend. And, we had uh, him on last year again. Sure. He's, um, you know, he's like, I want to be the hero at home. Yeah. You know, he's like, I, I get asked to speak all these places. I get asked to do all this stuff. Like, I want to be the you know, hero at home. And that's really a judge of your character. I mean, a couple of questions would be, would you follow you? Yeah. And, and a second question would be, what do those closest to you say about you, mm-hmm. you know, on the character front? But you can take any of these and you can do an exercise with them. So we call it the how, how, how process. But you, first you, you do the, you figure out the pillar and you say, um, okay, let's take that pillar and, and you know, obviously it's great if you go deeper in the book or something and see some of the 
some of the models, the spa method under compassion or the, you know, some of these takeaways where you can, you know, the seven step process to getting a company of high character or the, 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 the process to having decision making values under character for individual leaders. So All we right. can talk about any of those if you want. But basically, here's a simple process. We call it the how, how, how method. And so uh, this is one way to actually get clear. So, you know, I agree with Seneca and others that think the why is important. The why is important. You and I both know having a purpose is, is important. It's critical. You don't have a good purpose or a good why, you might not last 10 days on a project. But it is not the question that takes an idea to an action. You might agree, like I do with Collins, who thinks having the right who's on the bus in the right place, that's a good idea. But that's not the core question that takes an idea to an action. The most overlooked, underused question that, question that actually drives strategic clarity, that takes an idea to an action, that gives hope, is actually the how. how and you have to ask it at least three times. Most people don't ask it enough. So people say, I, here, I'll give you a quick example of my weight loss. So when I, when I lost 52 pounds in five months, uh, this gets to our habit section later, but you know when I, when I uh, lost the 52 pounds, I knew I had to do something about it. I made a big commitment about it and all, all this kind of stuff. But, but I like ask people that fly, you know, 100, 200 flights a year. Like I, I would see anybody fit that kind of has my lifestyle that's eating at banquets and, you know, flying and all, all this. Like how do you stay fit on the road? And all around the world, they said the same thing. Just four words. Eat less, exercise more. And you know what? That was not clear enough for me. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, but how do you do it? How do you, I needed more clarity. So I I asked how until I got something I could do today or tomorrow. And that's the key. How do you do that? Okay, then how do you do that? Okay, how do you take in less calories? And how do you do this? Then how do you do this? Then how do you do this? And you have to do it more than you think. Salespeople on this call, you can't just say, oh, I'm going to make more calls. Okay, how are you going to do that? Uh, I'm going to put time, set time here. Okay, how are you going to do that? I'm going to, oh, I got to get the list first. You got to back up. People will say, how are you going to do you know, something? I'm going to get up earlier. When their actual how needs to be, they got to go bed earlier so they can get up earlier. Right. Or, I'm going to read more. How are you going to do that? Until you have a book on the nightstand, it doesn't matter that you set even a time away to read. Your first how is get the book on the nightstand or whatever. So how, 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 how? So as an example, one final how for me on the weight loss was an 80-year-old doctor came up to me, fit as could be, and he said, here's an idea, uh, David. Uh, most men in America, if they just wouldn't drink their calories, they'd lose 30 to 50 pounds in a year. Now, this was not the only how, but I thought that's, I, how is not final until I can act on it today or tomorrow. So that is, I can look at it. Oh, no calories in that. Okay, I can drink it. So I stopped having a Coke on the plane and I went to Fresca. No calories in a Fresca. Um, you can argue with me that it still has aspartame, aspartame, whatever, and it's bad for you. But the bottom line is I had to figure out what I would do. And for six months, I did not drink a calorie. And that's something I could do. Now, if you said you can never have ice cream again, I'm not going to do that. So you got to have a how that you will apply, yeah. that you will do. And you got this habit is harder than you think, but more important to clarity than you think. How are you going to do that? Then how are you going to do that? Then how are you going to do that? So a company CEO come to, oh, we got to have a better culture. Okay, great. How are you going to do that? Oh, we're going to be more clear. They're not going to do anything yet. How are you going to do that? We're going to communicate more. How are you going to do that? We're going to be accountable. How are you going to do that? We're going to uh, appreciate people more. How are you going to do that? Until they tell me they're going to write an appreciation note every day for the next 90 days, I don't trust them, right? So that, that how driving down is a process for clarity, and you could do that for any of these. Okay, compassion. Ooh, I want to I wanna show my wife more compassion. How am I going to do that? Okay, until you get to something you're going to do today or tomorrow. One idea. So here, yeah, there a massive audit right there. Uh, right. That I am. When you look at, okay, so on that note, David, 
when you look at the average person listening to this show, again, I'm going to say this is an aspiring, educated, you know, good income earning person, and they're listening because they want to do well. Where are they generally, I don't know if it's fair to ask, but you know, over, if you had to take a wide swath of this demographic, where are they generally most suffering from a lack of trust and join that with what you just said, probably because they are being too vague about how to actually walk it out. It's probably that for many of them, at least it's that first pillar clarity. Okay. They're either, they're not clear um, about where they're headed. They're not clear with their family. They don't have a unifying mission for their family. So their family's all over the place, doesn't feel connected. They might not have a, a unified uh, a set of values for the way they do things. Um, they, they might not have, there's some clarity issue. That, and clarity can hit expectations. Listen, for different people, so to contextualize this, for a leader, maybe one important part of clarity might be vision, let's say, right? For the salesperson, I might find a salesperson that's really clear about how cool they think they are, how long they've been in business, but they're not clear about the benefits of the product to me. Mm. So because they're not clear about that important detail, nobody buys. The teacher, that might be a high character teacher, but the teacher, the kids all hate the teacher. Why do they hate that teacher? Turns out that teacher is so vague about assignments, everybody goes home frustrated because he or she is not clear about the assignment. So they don't like the teacher. Yeah. So in each of those cases, it was a clarity issue that led to ambiguity that killed trust, right? So, um, you know, but I, I, you know, if you don't know where to start, start with clarity. But otherwise, I would pause and take an audit and think about which one of these am I feeling like, um, you know, just give yourself a one out of 10 even. Um, you can do my assessments that are more uh, validated, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But you could just look at these and think, am I getting the results I want? Number, you know, under contribution, am I getting contributing results? Am I, do you think, do people feel like I'm contributing results? Do people here feel connected? And this can be your family, your teenagers, or it can be your team. Okay, uh-oh, we need to increase connection. How can we do that? Well, we've got an incredible exercise called the Trust Shield. That can work with families or with uh, teams, but you could, um, there's other things. Being more transparent, being, you know, here's a little side note. Uh, when I saw the data, 92% of leaders would be more trusted if they were more transparent about their mistakes. This hmm. came out of our data. Okay, not, remember, that's not transparent. Transparent about their mistakes. So some people say to me, they think trust is just all transparency. It's not. Some of your kids are so transparent on Facebook, I don't trust them for a second. Confidentiality is also trusted. So we have to think bigger about what trust is. But under this piece of research, more transparent about your mistakes. I have gotten to sit next to presence of countries and presence of companies. And what I see a lot of is imposter syndrome, and they're scared to death they're going to be found out. Yeah. So they are so unwilling. And those that are willing to be a little bit vulnerable about their mistakes. It turns out we don't connect on how great we are. I, I, oh, I, I'm homecoming king. I'm, I, I won all-state football. Nobody cares. Oh, this happened. Now, this became real to me, and I'll get vulnerable for a second here. I, my, my daughter, who's now in college, she was maybe 13 years old. Remember, a couple different times in my life, I lost everything on businesses that, you know, before she was born. And, and uh, you know, I started my first business uh, in a black mold basement with no bathroom kitchen or, or, uh, or, or, 
you know, or windows and uh, 86-year-old Bill, uh, Clara Miller's basement. And um, that's where it started for two years with my wife and I. Uh, so, so she didn't see some of those things. So we're on a little walk. She's 13 years old, I think, or so. And she looked up at me and she said, Dad, you wouldn't understand. I don't know if it was about boys or academics. But she said, you wouldn't understand you're, because you're perfect. Uh. Now, that sounds great, but you and I both know that's a huge problem. Yeah. At three years old... It's great to be their hero. At 13, that's a huge problem. I, my heart sank. And I said, uh, uh, I, I knew that she had seen in those years, oh, the book, you know, first book became a Wall Street Journal bestseller. And then the, she'd see me picked up on planes and, you know, uh, sedans and whatever. And she saw this part in that time frame, right? And, and for some reason, I hadn't, whether I wasn't home enough to share it. I mean, everybody else knew all my problems. My wife certainly did, saw plenty yeah. of things and yeah. you know, other people. And I have a great accountability group to keep me grounded and stuff. But I did something. I started on my weekly walks with her. I just started sharing places I blew it. Honey, you didn't know this, but man, I blew it here. Oh, I lost it here. I, what happened to our relationship? It just changed forever. That's all. Because I, I just that turn toward being vulnerable about your mistakes and... Um, and that would change. It's just one idea, right? And that's under the connection pillar. But, um, you know, there's so many ideas if you how it until you can do it. David, that's one that I've talked about here on the show. It's one of the greatest gifts that I got from my parents who were entrepreneurs and they did not shield me from the mistakes. Uh, they let me see it. We talked about it over the dinner table, and I knew that that year we'd be driving a Cadillac Eldorado or some embarrassing jalopy based on what happened with dad's latest business venture. And the fact that they didn't shield that from me, one, and two, that no matter what happened, we still ate dinner and life was okay. And we weren't going to die. And that was the greatest thing to my faith. Yeah. across the board than anything and my ability to go forward and try things and not be bothered if it didn't work out and be a business person yep. stuff. But it was, it was that it would have been so I, I would not be the person remotely that I am now if I had had the mistakes shielded from me or, you know, a parent with a perfect life. So that, that one, and I've taken that with my kids. Sometimes I feel like it's a yep. saving grace that I can have with my kids is to be real and transparent and, and honest with them. You know, when you look at these aspects, you know, these pillars of trust, the eight there, I'm going to assume that you see people having propensities to be strong and weak in those according to personality style. Is that relevant to bring out meaning? Uh, you know, I clarity that number one, I, I don't like to be clear. I don't want to take the time. I, I mean, I just want to, I were on a running gun, you know, aim, aim and fire. Uh, I don't really care about getting ready. It's kind of how I enjoy doing things. I like being, I, I mentioned before, I like being spontaneous. I don't want to take the time to be clear. I have some kids, because uh, I, I have kids that work with me now in the business. And I have, I have some that are great with that. I just say, look, I don't know. Here's what I want. This is the result. Go do it. I have some other kids who are, are, totally lamb. They can't handle that. They've got to know. Yeah, but David, how like, I yeah. don't know how, and I don't yeah. care to figure it out how, well, yeah. that doesn't work with that. So as a parent, no. I have to look at those. So you got to have, so we, we call it a figure. We hire, uh, one of our key traits for hiring is a figure it out mentality. <laughs> so, but, but let me just say a couple things here because basically number one, um, 
people may or may not have propensities toward any number of them. But they're true. It's still true. So what I try to push people toward is in the way they can do what you can do. Because you will be more trusted, even if you don't feel like it, being more clear. Yeah. You will be more trusted, increasing your compassion. You will. I, I, I'm probably a running gun that has to pause to compa- to show compassion. To re- I care about them. Come on, you know that, right? But they don't, unless you keep telling them, right? So there's there's um, you know, it's like you, you can lose clarity or compassion because of consistency. They all flow together. So like you might, oh, I shared the the vision. I'm really clear. I shared at the annual meeting. You don't share it every 21 days consistently. You lost clarity because you didn't use the consistency pillar or. You, you know, you said I love you on the wedding day, but you lost the compassion pillar because you only said it on the wedding day, right? Yeah. So, so um, but the other thing there is, let's blend this in reality. Entrepreneurism, we have to be able to manage ambiguity. Yeah. We have to be able to deal in ambiguity. So I'm not saying be perfect, and I'm not saying we have a perfectly clear world. I'm saying be clear as we can. So we want to give, give clarity where we can, but we actually have to, I talked to my team, we aren't, there are things we aren't clear about and I cannot be clear about. So we try to be clear with what we can be clear about. And that's, that's when we do that, we increase trust, right? I mean, when I, when we had the pandemic and thankfully we didn't have to let anybody go and I got the whole team together and, um, but I didn't know, I did not know in July what, what was going to happen, where we were at. And I was just open over and over and over. We had meetings of, hey, here's where we are right now. If this doesn't happen, I don't know what will happen. If this happens, if that happens. And we had, um, you know, ended up growing, and now we have even a bigger team than a year ago. But there were some things that we did not know what would happen in a whole lot of ways. And I was overly clear about that, what, you know, but not, but that didn't mean I was clear about what was going to happen in the pandemic. Yeah. Let I me was just ask about the steps I was taking. Let me ask again about the personality st- styles propensities. And I, I, I grew up with, you know, all the personality styles, big part of business, yeah. and I appreciate those. I also appreciate. I recently had on Dr. Benjamin Hardy talking about personality isn't permanent. Really yeah. love that discussion too. So I like the discussion. But if we look again at just natural propensities in a personal relationship, so in my marriage, and we look at strengths and weaknesses relationally. And again, looking at the personality profiles, I generally look at those and think there's not really, I can't just beg off and just say, you know, sorry, honey, I'm just not a compassionate person. No, I I really need to try to shore up a good balance. Now in business, however, of course we often say, and I believe that I need to spend time in my strengths. I don't care to become strong in accounting. I'm not going to, I don't want to, I can pay somebody to do that. Well, I can't pay somebody to be compassionate in my marriage. So we have relationships where I look at, we need need to spend more effort shoring up those weaknesses in business. We want to maximize strengths. So I'm going to take that here. We got eight pillars of trust because I would tend to want to think, okay, yeah, you know, the whole clarity thing is not my gig. Can I just overcompensate over here and have great character? And maybe I have awesome commitment. So I'm a 10 here, seven here, or are you going to tell me I'm authentic question? Are you going to tell me? Yeah. No, it's really hard to overcompensate if you don't have some fair amount of balance in all of them. Well, here's what I'm going to say. In a company, you have the responsibility and the ability to gain the trust edge, we would call it, by having all eight. That okay. doesn't have to be all you. Okay. You're responsible. Let's say you're the CEO, right? You can set a framework for uh, clarity or consistency happening that others take out. You can have a framework for 
how we show compassion. It's the same way I was talking to uh, Horst Schultze the other day who brought really to, 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 to Chick-fil-A and Dan Cathy the idea of my pleasure because he used it at um, uh, Ritz-Carlton when he founded Ritz-Carlton. Mm. And it's like, it doesn't matter, as an example, that's a system, right? So it doesn't matter um, everybody at all of the Chick-fil-A's, they say my pleasure everywhere. Everybody at all the Ritz Carlton says my pleasure. It's not a it's not a personality thing. It's a systemized way of yeah. showing compassion, right? So we, you can systemize these pillars by several different things in an organization. And as a leader, you're responsible to make sure we have the trust edge. We have this eight pillars of trust because that affects our bottom line. It affects our impact. It affects everything we do. So yes, on the individual side with your wife, yeah. there's a lot of good. Obviously, and I believe this too. I can tell you what I am: Myers Briggs and Disc, and you know Enneagram and every, <laughs> Kobe, and you know you and I have been assessed to death. But um, so we want to we want to understand those uh, strengths and 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 who we are, and there's value to that. But that I will say doesn't um, kind of take care of the research that to be trusted, you got to have all eight. So. Uh, as a as a spouse, I do want to make sure I'm showing compassion. I can't just say, well, I'm weak on compassion. I'm not going to show it. Yeah. I can't just say, I want to be trusted, but I don't really feel like having character right now. Nobody's looking. I mean, I, 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 can't, I can't say that. So as a leader in the home, as a father, I have to give vision to my family if I want to be trusted. I have to be clear. I have to be consistent. They need to know in a way that doesn't, by the way, consistency in a way. So it doesn't mean for me... I'm only flying out on Mondays. I'm flying out all different. You know, there's ways that life is in business, but I'm consistent in character. I'm consistent in certain things that I do. So when you increase each of those, you will have more trust at home with your spouse or your teenager. So that's the problem. You can't just say, kind of play the the personality card and say, I'm not good at that. Yeah. Well, and I appreciate what you said with business uh, at least maybe both with, you know, the aspect I, I am a poor, I struggle with management. I'm not a good manager. I don't manage things well. Well, in a business of any size, you can't do without that. So again, I can go over here just like accounting and figure out how to be a great manager. And, and you know, to some degree, but I think hire that, a manager. Well, yeah, thank you. You should hire that. That's no, no, you should hire that done. So here's Here's something I finally, I mean, it's just opening up the kimono here. Yeah. You know, we've had, I've had, um, I'm just looking out at my staff right now through the glass in my, in my office and they're all doing different things. But for the first time, I had a great, I guess I kind of did before have a chief operations officer, but I hate meeting all the meetings. Uh-huh. I love sharing vision of the organization. I, I'm, I'm developing some content, writing book, doing some of these things. Finally, this year, I hired a real high level chief of staff. I've always had an, uh, so I have an executive assistant also. So all my flights, all the dealing with this and that and the other thing, that's great because details I I do not like, okay? They bog me down. They take me off my game. So I've had an an EA, an executive assistant for years and, and, um, you know, for really almost two decades, like almost since we started, as soon as I could pay someone. That was smart for me because that mitigated my risk of details. But for you, I'm just talking to his friends here, consider the difference between an EA and a chief of staff. Yeah. Because she, the chief of staff, Kelly, manages all those things you talk. She has the team meetings, the morning pulses, all these things. I now, she's running the staff and the business and all that kind of thing. And, um, and I'm able to 
much more be in my best spot because I don't like managing either. I like leading. <laughs> I, I agree. Agreed. Same here. I'd rather visioneer all day long and yeah. create stuff. You know, it, it, I'm think I'm going to take us back, and maybe this is a good place to, uh, for us to anchor in on. You know, even on the personal side, and um, this 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 is personal. This is a personal perspective. But looking at that and going, can I be a rock star in each area of trust with my kids or with my family? And of course, I want to do that as well as I can. But just like you talked about in a business, man, there are some areas that are a struggle for me. Thus, I would say is God's design of parents. And there are things that my wife does that I don't do well, that I'm so grateful she shores up or she fulfills in there. But even further, David, this is one that's become more acute to me as I've had you know more kids and older kids and whatnot is, is thinking, I, are, are even we as parents supposed to be enough? I am so grateful for other people that are part of our family, whether it's extended family or friends right. that fill some of these things. And I, it's just, it's monumental to me. Uh, well, and, I think it's a whole nother question. So okay. you, you can still press on these eight pillars to a point right. individually. But yes, this whole idea of a village to raise a kid, absolutely. Yes, get them other experiences. Yes, show them how they need to trust God first. Yes. Um, I mean, look, God's been talking about this stuff way before me. Yeah. Trust the Lord with all your heart. You know, the, Moses doesn't get to go into the promised land because he didn't trust God enough. I mean, goodness, you know, Daniel's pulled out of the lion's den because, he, because, because there was no wound found on him because he trusted God. And But all these pillars even, clothe yourselves with compassion and yeah. without vision, people perish. So there's a call to these but we can still, I mean, this is one just truth that even for leaders, if you're doing leadership alone, you're doing it wrong. You need other people, right? We need each other. And same with families. And we can't be all things necessarily to every people, but we can be a part of instilling that and bringing that. But I, I think those experiences, I don't, I don't think that necessarily takes away from that you should, you, you personally, Kevin, should be compassionate toward yeah. his kids. You should have high character. You can't give that up and say, well, I don't want to have this character. I'm going to have, my wife's going to have this character. You know, I'm, I don't want to be consistent in, in, in some way. My wife can be, do the, be the one that's consistent. Now, in a certain way, absolutely. For Lisa and I, you know, I'm, let's say, flying out or dealing with this issue, but my wife is there as the kids are growing up. And I'm active, by the way. There's things I did to be active also, um, and, and, and actually to be consistent, but we're not consistent in the same ways, but there's a way I think you can be clear. There's a way you ought to be each of these, but I think it's absolutely true to bring others into it, to have show community and the value to, of community and showing them, um, other mentors and friends. And, um, it, it's, that's, that's part of the connection or collaboration pillar, right? Well, and I just appreciate that because it does take a, a little bit of the pressure of off of us to be perfect in these, even now I, I, I'm eager to do a further audit on myself. I, I, I'm eager to talk. I'm going away on a getaway with my family. I think all the kids except one will be there this, this week. And I want to talk through this 
And uh, to some degree, just admit, guys, I know I struggle in this area and I hurt my trust with you guys. I'm so sorry. And, you know, that's where I want to work on. Um, but just to be. I've open. had to apologize so many times. Oh, yeah. That's the problem. It's just like, I, I'm just like, uh, I know I talk about trust, but I don't know if I did that right. And I don't, especially with that first one coming through teen years. It's like, oh, yeah. man, you learn a lot with that. You're the guinea pig, right? <laughs> well, man, I just appreciate you coming on the show and sharing this because it grieves me for my myself and for others who do, especially on the character side, who know that they are out here to help people, to serve people, to do the right thing. And they're not getting the traction that they want because they don't understand the breadth of trust. And again, I like, I like uh, the sales analogy that we all want to think, oh, you're either born a salesman or not. You're extrovert, introvert, and Zig's going, no, you're either trained or not. And you're saying here, if you want to benefit from the trust that you should have, that you do warrant authentically, you've got to do the work. And that's the one that gets me because I, I still go along, even in understanding some of this, David, I go along. And, and now that we're talking about it, I'm going, oh man, I'm, I am missing that one. And it's to my own detriment. So thank you for uh, doing what you do for this message. I want to keep drawing people to it. I'm going to be citing this continually now since you brought it to light again. Uh, thanks so much for what you do, David. Thank you, Kevin. A treat to be with you. I hope you really hear the gravity that all of us, no matter what, have areas in our lives where we can increase the trust people have in us, which will pay big dividends in our relationships and our career and business success. Again, David Horsager, he's offered us a first run assessment to see how we stack up in exuding trust. If you go to trustedleaderbook.com slash Ziggler, trustedleaderbook.com slash Ziggler. Coming up in episode 874, Tom Ziggler and I tackle the issue of happiness. I asked my audience how in control of their happiness do they feel they are. And the majority, of course, said, oh, 100%. But I actually pushed back on that. I mean, even if you believe you have control, are you able to harness that control and get yourself happy? That's where we dig in. Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.